the, the one thing is fine art and the other one is like a little leprechaun standing. <laughs> John told uh, me you've sculpted that as well. <laughs> actually, I did two kind of leprechaun thing and it was... Uh, <laughs> did they have beer, skulls? Beer, for a beer company in Belgium. Like they have their little mascots and it was, it, it was funny because... You're listening to Art Heroes Podcast, the show to help you thrive as a digital artist. Tune in to learn how to transform your passion into a career. Get inspired by other kick-ass 2D and 3D artists and find out what it takes to be an art hero. Hi everyone, my name is Maria JD and I'm your host at Art Heroes Podcast. And it's a show about day-to-day life of digital artists and about opportunities in digital art with the final goal of making you a better professional and bringing more business and work opportunities closer to you. And in today's episode, we're meeting Martin Verhoeven, who's a freelance digital sculptor specializing in work for film, commercials, prototypes, and toys. But the interesting thing is that Martin is fascinated about 3D printing, so we'll take a deep dive into it and in how it connects with sculpting. We're on air. Okay, hi Martin. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Guys, for those of you who haven't seen Martin's face, I guess (laughs) (laughs) 99.99% we're having Martin Verhoeven and Martin is uh, live with us from Belgium and it's getting pretty late but uh it's amazing to have you hi martin hey how you doing yeah yeah doing fine and uh, uh, i guess we've got a lot of ground to cover today and i'm pretty excited to have you because uh, uh martin is uh well you definitely do have a name and uh i think you're pretty well known for your style very explicit style of sculpting but also i know you for the fact that uh, you know you like specifically as i said al- almost ultra specialize on sculpting at least that's what people like say about you don't know if that's true <laughs> <laughs> like you only do fun part yeah that's 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 what i try to do only the fun parts like <laughs> quite often companies try to slip something else to me and i'm like no 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 like i'm not comfortable doing that stuff but <laughs> i i always have to let's say uh, um, convince companies that sculpting is let's say my pure good thing and and like just invest a tiny bit more time and money in me and then you're better along <laughs> yeah perfect that's perfect what's some other stuff that companies try to slip in it's 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 normal stuff like people first approach me uh, uh like uh, a generalist and then I'm, i'll try to explain like i'm not completely a generalist like i know my sculpting bit and the anatomy and everything and then that's my speciality and i'm also pretty fast in, in uh, making digital my cats are just digital sculpts so let's say in a day's time i can present a few uh things to present to them as concept art concept sculpts and um like later along let's say when they push everything through the pipeline uh, once i take it from uh, concept to the high res then after the high res they're like Oh, but Martin, can you also do some textures and some baking of the maps? And I'm like, uh, no, that wasn't in the contract, guys. Like, sorry. <laughs> and that's that's the thing that they try to slip in because they're like, oh yeah, okay, we're happy with where this thing is going. Like, can you finish up everything before you give it? No, like I'm technical idiots on, on that. Uh, Perfect. Perfect. So Martin, can you please maybe uh, walk me through your story? How did this happen? How did your career develop that now you can pretty much afford being specialized on sculpting because so many people want to do sculpting for a living and they're fascinated by like sculpting this because this is you know something that artists yeah. really want to do so how did this happen to you um i would say two things like um hard work that's the one thing but also sheer luck uh the thing is like um when i picked up sculpting was roughly 10 years ago like let's say 11 years ago uh, I was working in a day job in a post-production company and I was doing, let's say, most of the time After Effects and, and motion graphics. And I, I had it, like, I picked up ZBrush, like, I saw a few pictures of it online. I was like, what is this thing? Like, it looks like 3D, but not like 3D because there are, like, a bunch of details in there and it feels very organically and not like box modeling like a lot of people were doing back then because I had, a, uh, uh, let's say, an animation uh, education way before. Uh, and then I was doing box modeling and the thing was like 
during that period that I saw a lot of pictures popping up and I knew the program, like I went on a trip to uh, New York and uh, in a bookstore, actually bought a book. It's, it's somewhere on my shelves here, but uh, I bought a book of ZBrush and I ran through it from the beginning to the end, like a hard copy, because that's the thing that I like books. And then I started posting up some stuff in ZBrush Central. It got received uh, pretty well from the beginning, like by certain people. And then at a certain moment, uh, uh, they picked me up also for the beta from Pixelogic. So I knew a lot more uh, insight on the software. And, and let's say in that period, like in a year's time, when I was learning the program, I also got a few small job offers. And I went to my uh, previous boss and I asked him, like, could I do some freelancing spare time uh, or on the, on, on the side? And he was like, no, if you want to be a freelancer, do it hallway or don't do it at all. And I was like, okay. so. I quit that job. And <laughs> I okay, something. thank you for the I, sign. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know, but I did something very stupid, maybe in hindsight, but maybe it, I'm still doing it after 10 years. Like I quit my day job and I started jumping in the whole freelancing thing uh, with actually one job offer. And that one job offer uh, could provide me for uh, money for one day. It's, <laughs> it's like, yeah, but it's, it's totally crazy. I know. But like from there on, like, Things picked up slowly, and the thing is, like, uh, um, I had some previous clients uh, for the uh, motion graphics and everything, and those little jobs filled up the gaps doing commercials and everything. And like, over time, more and more 3D people picked up my stuff, and and like on the forums and on on, on uh, CG Hub back then, and, and 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 I built up my portfolio because I was sculpting all the time and was having so much fun. Because that was for me the biggest thing, like having fun and having also uh, as a freelancer in the beginning, like when I didn't have a, a paid job, I was I was sculpting all day long. Like I was practicing, I was studying anatomy, I was going through the whole rhythm uh, to, to, yeah, just to be a good sculptor. And I wasn't interested in any of the technical stuff. And that's maybe, uh, uh, let's say my, my handicap now, tiny bit, because, uh, but I was like focusing on sculpting the whole way. and and. Since, kin, uh, since I was a child, like, I was fascinated by creatures and monsters and the whole thing like, came together. And 10 years further along the line, like, I'm still doing it, you know? So slowly but surely, all the other jobs got replaced, all the other freelancing gigs got replaced with uh, sculpting gigs. Yeah, yeah. Is that the case? Yeah, that's the case. And also like being able to go to events like Zebra Summit and, and other festivals, like being able to talk to people. Uh, like it might sound weird, but like I was, preg I was, let's say a freelance digital sculptor for five years before I even met somebody physically who did the same thing that I did. When I went to the Zebra Summit the first time, then I actually saw somebody, I knew people online, right? But then it was the first time, like after five years that I was able to shake somebody's hand and say like, Hey, I know you, <laughs> you're awesome. <laughs> stuff. Like, let's take a picture and show my mom that I'm not crazy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow this is five years of like complete online life online networking yeah and and also trying to explain to other people uh, uh like uh, i have a very supporting uh, wife and everything and she was like okay go for it and, and do what you want to do and everything and then she was and she still is super uh, supportive of everything that i do in in the arts but uh yeah for five years i was living in cyberspace you know no but that that's the thing like yeah. let's say in the period of five years like like everybody that you meet in the, in the street you try to explain like i'm doing this for a living and they're like oh what are you doing and now over time like 3d printing and everything grew so a lot of more people know what's going on in the industry mm -hmm. and and um, yeah so tell me more a, lo a little bit more about that um how is how does that feel working by yourself because i know you live off the grid i mean not completely off the grid but you know like away from huge capitals and places like that uh and so how do you how, how do you structure your day and uh, how is your work life in general is it do you find it hard organizing yourself no because let's say okay the first thing when i'm sitting still like I feel anxious. I need to create something. So that's that's the thing that's always in the back of my head. Like I can never relax during the day without a job and sit sit on my my ass. Like oh let's look at a little movie uh, or, or let's play a video game. No, like I'm constantly 
or I'm 3D printing or I'm painting or I'm drawing or I'm, I'm doing something uh, um, to create something. Uh, but my schedule in a day uh, uh, is, um, let's say we get up at seven, like I have two kids at home. I can relate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, we, I want to get up at seven, but, but my son decides to get up at five or something. You know? <laughs> but that's the thing. Like I try to get up at seven. Uh, I, we, we pack the sandwiches, everything. I put kids to school at uh, 830. I'm home. I'm sitting behind my computer. I start working. Um, most of the times I would take one 10 minute break around noon and after school around five o'clock, uh, uh, five 30, pick up the kids again, start cooking. Then later on my mom, my wife comes home. And, um, if there's like a certain big job or something like you pick up again at eight o'clock or 10 o'clock, uh, eight o'clock, nine o'clock when the kids are back to sleep and you work until one, you know? So that's, uh, that's quite a lot of hours. Keep yeah, but, but, but the thing is, like, when I'm working for clients, I also tell them, like, I try to, to uh, apply office hours to, to, keep, to keep everything healthy, you know, like, like when you're working for somebody that you don't burn yourself on a project. And, uh, I mean, deadlines are deadlines. Like, when somebody comes to you with a deadline and, and, and in the end it, it happens that you have to work two nights in a row or something, yeah, that's bad management. Yeah, say. definitely. 100% bad for everyone. Yeah, but, but those things happen. But, but uh, uh, most of the times, like, I don't try to work in weekends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I only try to do the office hours. But like I said, when I'm working from, from 8.30 until 5, 5.30, mm-hmm. like, the one break that I take is 10 minutes. So in the end, like, I'm still putting in a lot of hours. Um, no, it, yeah, it does sound like a lot of hours. I mean, it's, like, very fair... Yeah, and, and yeah, and, and like I said, when I don't even have a job, like still at eight thirty, I'll be sitting behind a computer or, or doing something creative, like mm-hmm. all day long. I mean, so what is a typical client job for you now? It's very diverse because, like, my clients, uh, uh, um, they go from visual effects studios to to individual real artists. <laughs> so it's 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 super diverse uh, uh, who approaches me. Um, sometimes it's, it's very straightforward like they say okay we want a concept you have to translate it from digital maquette push, push it along to a high-res model uh, and then you're just to you roll by the punches you design and then you go over and over the whole process again because the first in the first meeting they say like uh, okay we give you two weeks and I'm looking at them like this isn't going to take two weeks this is going to take at least six weeks and they're like no 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 you get two weeks now no 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 this is, this is going to take six weeks uh, most of the times in the end, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how it goes because that's the only thing like working remote from studios. Uh, um, there's a lot of delay in communication. And that's something that you always have to take uh, in consideration or in the back of your head. It's like when you're in downtime and it happens sometimes that, that it's three days or a week that you send off files and, and, and you don't hear from them within five days or something. And then you have to figure out something else to do. So most of the times, like I have two, three small projects running in the background and one bigger thing. But those smaller projects aren't very important. I mean, they're important, but the deadlines uh, aren't so harsh. It's most okay. of the time like somebody who needs something in a few months time or it's like uh, more like a private commission or something. Okay. Very interesting. So my question would be then, how would you bill for your downtime uh, or like how would you build a client in this case imagine your estimated time for a project is two weeks but then you don't get feedback for five days um, and pretty much for these five days you're like blocked I mean, you're not blocked. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you can't really do anything. That's true. exactly and you can't really do anything, but at the same time, you're committed to the client. And yeah, uh, and most yeah. of most of the times, then the most interesting job offers uh, uh, come in because when once you're let's say in downtime, then somebody approaches you like, "Hey, are you available to jump uh, to start next week?" And I'm like, "No," because like uh, it's something that that's that's personally uh, for me. Like, I can't take on two big projects at the same time. Uh, like. I could do them if I was uh, uh, arranging the schedule. But the thing is, like, when you're working for two different clients, somehow, like, in the end, they always, like, screw over the whole schedule. Yeah. And they want the same thing at the same time. And that's, yeah, that's something that I really hate. So that's the reason why I'm, let's say, take one big project, take a few little bits, 
and also the personal work because for me my personal work is, is, is uh, super important uh, um, to get it out of my system like when I do my sketches or my work uh, I also don't tend to take more than one day a day and a half on a finished piece from the beginning until the end like I have a ton of, of concepts already in the back of my head that I want to create over the next few weeks and and like I just open ZBrush and I just start sculpting take out my reference folder and, and I make what I want to make and that's how I fill in, let's say, the little, little gaps and building up the, the portfolio to also attract new clients that might be interested in, let's say, seeing my thing, you know? Yeah, 100%. So um, I know that uh, you get clients that want to get some of your stuff or your style in their projects because of your style. Yeah. Um, what, um, what do you think specifically makes your style so unique and how did you go about developing it is there any i don't know any trick any process the thing thing with okay let's say my style it's something that uh, um was born five years ago or something and this might sound very strange but with the birth of my uh, my son something snapped in my brain and i was uh, with a uh, let's say a creative block and I couldn't create my own art, but what I was doing was I was still sculpting anatomy and everything, you know, to keep the routine and also doing client work because client work in my eyes is being creative, but it's, it's being art directed. So you don't have to do everything yourself. You present something and they start modifying those things. And at a certain moment, like I was in, in, in a creative uh, uh, void for, for two years and then like it snapped on. And then my style was born, weirdly enough. And, and, and the thing that some people, I could say his name, James, James W. Kane. Eh? <laughs> okay, <laughs> yes. The thing that he always says, like with a smile, like when I want to create something that's your style, I put in some swirly bits, I put in some blacks, reds, and golds, and a uh, skull left and right. And that, then I'm done. I'm like, <laughs> 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 I actually I could agree. <laughs> Thank you, but but but, but, but that's that's no what he no, but that's what he always does. Like like when I sculpt something cute for somebody, he's like, "Where's the skull? Show me the skull." And I'm like, "There's no skull in there." But it's, it's something that that's uh, um, grew over the years, and it's just by, by being influenced by many artists that you grew up with. Like uh, I can't deny that I've been influenced by by uh, certain sculptors or painters or or even visual effects artists. You know. Um, and it's like an amalgamation of everything that you saw. And at a certain point, like it's at the right moment, like it all clicked together and then it starts growing. And I don't have to think about these things also. Like most of the time trying to do my personal work, I just put on some music and the shapes flow out. It's, it's super org organically. Like I don't sketch anything on paper or anything. Like it's just starting with a sphere, pulling out the shapes and it just comes. Wow. Yeah. Super interesting. So, um, do you know of any projects? Do you remember of any projects that that use your work that you know, like now went into like production or uh, somewhere? Three uh, D print, not with my let's say not with my personal style, but I've done a lot of uh, things for toys and collectibles and everything. Thing, uh, um, let's say with personal style is what happens quite often is that people make let's say a frankenstein thing i would call it a frankenstein thing like they see my my art gallery and they start photo bashing something together and they say like hey we made something beautiful look at this can you sculpt this for us and i'm like no like no that head, head doesn't need to be on that body and you know like just me to design something new for you and i would do it with fun i mean but but uh, um, so yeah. are you saying that they pretend to make something similar to your style ish and like sell it to you? <laughs> they kid bash something and they're like, here, look at this. Like, like <laughs> we're the perfect guy to do this because we need some reference of the stuff that you do. And I'm like, okay, really like, okay. <laughs> just, just give me a brief on paper and I will fill in the gaps. That would be more fun for me to do than to re-sculpt something. Ah, uh, yeah. But, but the thing like, I do a lot of, of personal stuff with my personal style, but I don't feel that I'm too good to do something else. You know, like if somebody approaches me with an idea and even if it's like something very simple and I think that's an interesting project, chances are that I'll take it, I'll take it on to do. Like I've done, I've done small leprechauns, uh, um, 
visual effects awards and goals, uh, weird shaped things, uh, vases, you know, yeah. flowers in. But for me, it's it's more about uh, creating something, you know, putting something something physical in the world, or, or being able to help somebody translate their ideas. Um, but that's also some something that you, I think you have to do, or or have to be open for uh, if you're a digital sculptor. Like, let's say if you're purely interested in superheroes, right? And you want to do superhero statues. Like, everybody wants to do superhero statues. Like, you have to be so so good. If you purely want to focus on that, uh, and in the end, like the, the industry in my eyes, uh, like there are only a few, let's say they're top tier, and everybody wants to break into that thing, and and it's practically impossible because, uh, except let's say, uh, um, not except, um, outside of talent, you also need to have connections to to have certain to to get certain jobs, um, and and. Yeah, that's why I'm saying like, even when you're purely interested in doing the superhero stuff, try to be very diverse, try on a professional way, you know? Mm -hmm. like, so like, that's why you sometimes get like uh, vases to put flowers in. Yeah, but, but it, it, it started very funny because I was like giving a, a, a kind of a workshop thing uh, to, to a girl that was working in the company and she was uh, actually... Um, making mannequins for, for to put clothes on, but she was sculpting those things in clay. And it took her a long time and they approached me like, could we do this digital, could we print those mannequins? And I gave, let's say, sort, sort of a workshop there and I was talking to the owner and he was like, yeah, but we want to do some special things for interiors like vases and, and chandeliers and this and that. And it was like, are you interested? And he was like, is there, is there a budget? like?" And he was like, yeah, yeah, like, like we can give you this, this amount of money to work on something. Could you give us examples? And I was like, sure. Like, show me some images of what you want to see and I, I can help you out. You know? but, wow. This is, super, yeah, but, this is so super interesting. I think that's an exciting project. I mean, of course, it's not a superhero, but still, it's, uh, it's something that stays. Let's say it's not super sexy to put in the, into your portfolio. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> but, not an art station. It's an art station where you put up a lot of vases. Like, okay, it doesn't have boobs or fangs or something. Like, no, it doesn't. It isn't going to. Play with the it doesn't have skulls either. It doesn't have skulls or maybe some gold bits or swirly bits. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the end, like those things are also super interesting to do. Also, the thing, the thing that you do by doing this thing is also studying art, uh, art and history. Because when you generate something for somebody, like is it, is it a statue or is it uh, um, a vase, like you start looking at Art Deco, or Nouveau, different styles, you go through the whole history. That's what I do, you know? I, I try to jump into the whole thing and try to figure out like, okay, you want something that's looking like that? And I just go into arts and, and into books and everything. And I start looking at shapes and try to understand the language that people have used to, to translate their ideas. And then I try to apply it help out my client that is so interesting like you know knowing that uh, a guy like you actually also makes something that is not monsters oh <laughs> that's that's quite often a surprise i know that is quite often a surprise that is definitely a surprise here <laughs> no but like you have to be flexible and 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 it's the same thing like it's super funny when when people only know my work and the first time when they meet me like, you get the weirdest uh, uh, reactions like Oh, I didn't thought you were like jolly or something, you know? <laughs> like I thought you had long hair, you were like depressed all the time. Yeah, some people call me depressed, but... Uh, <laughs> no, you're not depressed all the time, I know. <laughs> not all the time. No, not all the time. <laughs> Doesn't fit the national stereotype. No, but, but that, I mean... No, but, you know, coming back to the, uh, to the uh, sculpting thing is, I think the other interesting part of it is that, uh, as you said, this whole bit of the profession is over, is frequently forgotten because people just talk about like sculpting uh, collectibles or yeah. toys or um, yeah like superhero stuff but I think this is a perfect example what else can be done with digital sculpting and kind of yeah. maybe a little bit easier way to break through for somebody who's starting yeah the, the, the only trick or the, the hardest part is to convince people um, that are able to do it digitally because uh, a lot of people when when they approach you they don't know anything and you have to also explain the thing the process on 3d printing what possibilities are and everything and um, 
that's that's actually the the hardest thing but the thing is like uh, i truly believe there's an industry there and uh, you get some interesting projects um but but you have to find the right people that are let's say taking the leap jumping forward and trying to to apply new new t technologies because quite often i also come in contact with classical artists that uh, uh, play around with clay and everything and when you say like i sculpt this on a computer like they're it goes totally over their heads and it's it's not up to me to explain them like this is better like no like this this is a different solution how you can get maybe uh, uh, an easier output to the thing that you want to create because you're running into uh, obstacles every time again and again and going digital you can save out different versions you can go back and forth you can modify you can do small test prints then go big Mm -hmm. uh, in, in seeing like you, you can do more uh, uh, variations on the same subject and in the beginning it's more expensive for them but in the end they see that uh, when they push it through uh, it will be it will cost as much yeah but in the end the result will be better because you're able to do more iterations yeah it will be better or the end product will be will be as good yeah and when the end product will be when the end product is as good then you already have, let's say, accomplished something with those people. Because a lot of people are pretty snobby. Like, they're like, oh, but it isn't done with a chisel and not with a stone and not with this and this. So help me understand a little bit more the whole process. So do you actually know the whole, um, like, well, I, I think it's safe to assume that you know the, the big picture of 3D printing and the pipeline, how the things work so that you can even explain it to a client and almost sell them the idea of going digital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's important. And also to, to tell them like the little uh, uh, traps because you can print, you can practically print everything, but there are also limitations like on the quality, on the resolution, on the scale. Like earlier today, somebody was re reacting on, 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 on LinkedIn and they were saying like, I'm, I'm, I want to go with a resin printer, but I want to have a building volume that's 30 by 30 centimeters. And I said, it's all like, you can't afford that. I mean, you're talking about industry prices, you know, like for big companies, like as a novice or, or somebody's student, like, no, no, go with the, go with the simple cheap printer, try to figure out the workflow. And then if you have some money, go bigger. But, but in the beginning, like, especially when you do resin prints, uh, yeah. it's, a lot of cleanup, there's a lot of chemicals. I think it's fun because I, w I like to get my hands dirty, but a lot of people like when they do the same thing, like they, they hate it because mm -hmm. it's grease and, and yeah, you have to do the, the post scoring. Would you, would you normally like recommend your clients or you know, people that you work with uh, get their own 3D printer or order a print uh, on demand? It also depends. Like the good thing is like I have uh, uh, a lot of connections or uh, I know a lot of printers standing around here where that people could use or, or rent or, 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 or buy um, but when I approach somebody for a project I, the first thing that I ask like okay so what's the scale that you want to work in then we find out the printer because the scale is dependent and the material I assume yeah and, and then the material and if they say like if I bring along a print of on a form two or something like it's super high res, super dense, and they're like, "Ah, oh, I didn't thought it was possible to do in 3D." And and they're like holding a little sphere, and I'm telling them, "Yeah, but you're holding something that costs 800 euros." And they're like, "Oh, I'm not gonna drop this." <laughs> like, and and then I'm like, "Okay, now let's talk about your budget." <laughs> okay. And then, and then the budget, the most of the times, like, uh, um, will tell which printer, which scale, because. A lot of people like in the beginning they're like oh we want to 3d print something and we want to do it 50 centimeters and we want to do this and this and this and then when you yeah put together a quote like how much it would cost uh, then they're like okay fine 10. yeah yeah like it gets smaller but it's very important to know for me for the beginning like how big the final product is because that also depends how much time that i will invest as a sculptor in my sculpt because if i know if i know something's going to be printed on a rubbish printer you know something that's pretty rough on the, on the, mm -hmm. on the building lines uh and it's going to be a small size like i know i don't have to work those three extra days sculpting all the fine details because they won't be translated so that's also something that i always when i talk to clients like i want to know their final product and 
also what they want to do with it. Do you print and they want to put it on a, on a trade show or they want to put it in their garden or like you have the weirdest things ever. Uh, so, yeah, no, but it's... <laughs> oh my God, garden versus trade show sounds like, sounds a little bit of a two different world. Yeah, the, the one thing is fine art and the other one is like a little leprechaun standing. John told me you've sculpted that as well. <laughs> actually, I did two kind of leprechaun thing and it was... Uh, <laughs> did they have beer, skulls? Beer, for a beer company in Belgium, like they have their little mascots and it was, it, it was funny because... Uh, uh, an agency, a commercial agency contacted me and they had um, drawings that they found in the cellar of a brewery and those drawings were from the 70s and it was like very rough and those were the mascots of that beer company and I want to let's say translate it into the year 2010s you know. Okay sure. Uh, so, so I took those little rough drawings and I made like little 3D sculptures from them and they 3D printed them and they were like super stoked and happy because they had, so sweet. Little, they had a little mascot, but, <laughs> but it's, it's, those, those are fun projects, you know, look at something and say like, okay, I can put a quote on it. It doesn't have to be high end the whole time because most of the times I feel that um, working for such clients, uh, the appreciation um, that they give you is way more is, or is bigger than working for a big studio. Because when you work for a big studio, you finish your job, people are happy, the art director or the director or who else is close to you, but you drown in the whole chain of people that are working there. And once you're working, let's say, on, on a collectible or, or let's say a smaller project, like you know that you're the person that did that thing for that person and you make them happy, you know, generating something. That's so cool. That's so cool. No, definitely. There is always like the thing about personal connection, 100%. Help me to compose that. So uh, how do you get the smaller clients? I mean, do they also find you on ArtStation and uh, I don't know, Instagram or uh, like Facebook? Or is it like more personal connection? Some of them do. And, and sometimes it's personal connection, but sometimes I also step up to people like when I'm visiting a company or something and I think like oh there might be some potential in there like I walk up to the boss and say like hey I think you need a 3d print from something <laughs> so wh who are you and what do you do and I'm like oh yeah I'm an artist and you start just talking and 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 or, or other people introduce you and 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 then it's like more a mouth uh, 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 worth the mouth thing that goes on because you did something for that company somebody else sees it that this that company and they're like oh that was cool that was interesting and then ball starts rolling anything that i also try to do but it's it's pretty hard is also contacting um companies that sell 3d printers because everybody's buying 3d printers but at a certain moment of time when you bought your 3d printer you have printed everything that you can get for free online right and then they're like looking at their printer and like what the hell am i going to do with it and i'm like hey i'm your guy i can make something for you <laughs> That is cool. That is cool, definitely. So very, very, very interesting. And how did you learn so much about 3D printers? Is it just like your secret passion? I was always interested in, 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 in 3D printing. And I was working, uh, um, let's say, uh, I was doing stuff for, for toys and collectibles for, let's say, eight, nine years or something. And I was always thinking on getting a 3D printer. And then during Sculpt Off, like, hey, hey I won one. And... and that infueled my whole passion because like everybody was telling me like, yeah, it's super hard to figure out everything. And, and somehow it, it, it also felt like second, second nature, like how sculpting feels printing. Like when I sculpt something, I know like when I sculpt this, I edit this, cut this, I can put it on the building platform and it will come out like I sculpted it. Like I, I haven't had any real surprise that I was sculpting something and then I saw it and then I was like, oh no, this isn't working, you know? Uh, and that's actually the thing that triggered my passion for 3D printing. And also, like, uh, it took a lot of years uh, uh, in, in the Benelux, or let's say this part of Europe, and it's the central part of Europe. <laughs> to, Thank you for a reminder. No, but, it, but it's like, like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sitting in the mountains in a little hut or something. No, I'm, I'm close to Antwerp, close to Brussels and Amsterdam. Um, but it, it took some time before people really took up the printing and, 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 and see uh, um, what, it, what you can do with it. 
except printing little keychains with your names on it. Yeah. Because that's what most companies over here offer as, as what you can get if you want something done. Yeah, but if you don't have the skill to make something, to create something from scratch, that's, I guess, what, that's where your limitations are. Yeah, that, that's the you thing. Print a little keychain, you generate a bunch of trash. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing that, that a lot of those people are running into. And, and, and like that's the, the potential client base that I'm also aiming at. Not directly, but yeah. it's, it's also an interesting income. And if you can get one or two clients every month like that, and it's only like a few days that you can fill in again, like it's filling in all the little parts in between their assignments. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Now, actually, it all starts making sense with the smaller projects and the bigger projects like coming in together in your schedule. Yeah, I mean, freelancing—it's—it's it's a tough and depressing business. I mean, uh, in, in my in my eyes, it's a tough and depressing business. And and personally, like, I can be on a high in the morning and I can be super down in the evening because you got three emails from clients that declined something or something went wrong or or you did uh, something on a bidding and you don't get it and, and we we're hoping for it and um, but it also makes it interesting in the end because like a lot of times when when you're when I had a lot of or a big downtime uh, uh, let's say three weeks without work you're, you're really thinking like this is never going to I mean this this is this isn't going to solve solve the whole thing like I actually said it uh, uh, two years ago right before uh, Zebra Summit uh, uh, to, a f to, a good friend, uh, to a few friends of mine like if the summit if that isn't going to uh, um, uh, give me something you know in return like I'm going to quit digital sculpting like I was I was I was no, so, come on you were not serious about that come on no, no, seriously like no seriously but then like something picks up again at the right moment and then you're like no I get that I get that it's uh it's always like ups and downs when you don't have the you know the traditional nine to five yeah and the traditional like boss and set of projects but uh but it's a choice right I mean it's, a, it's, it's, a choice it's more it's fun this way it's more fun. The risks are bigger. Let's <laughs> um, say the prices could also be bigger. Um, yeah, but you know, like, and to me, this is fascinating because uh, which are, which you just said that the um, in many cases you still have to explain to clients or potential clients uh, the way digital sculpting works and the way it can solve their problems. But imagine in several years from now. You don't have to explain that. And the way 3D printing took off when people just started buying printers, like in a few years from now, people will already know how everything works and the saturation will be just higher and it will be just way easier, less friction. At least, I don't know, the way that's the way kind of a possible yeah, state. That's, that's, that's probably what the future will be like and also with the, the whole printers like... There will be full color printers producing the most awesome things, and then I think the most important thing is to be uh, special as an individual artist. Because now, let's say with with all the technical know-how, like there's still a lot of jobs that you can hunt on. But over time, like a lot of people will also get in that pool, and then you have to diverse yourself, and then you have to stand out with the thing that you do. Um, and that's also the thing that I'm also always aiming at with doing my own art, like. Being in, try, trying to be an individual in the whole group, you know, uh, um, like there's so many uh, uh, people creating their own art, but it's, it's, yeah, it's for me, it's, it's, it's kind of important to try to stand out out of the crowd, you know, don't walk along. Like, if, if you want to be a people pleaser, you know what's called, call an art station, you know what's called, you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. No, no, no. I'm with you on that. Try to sell your own course, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, that is very, very, very interesting. So, uh, where do you think the future is for you, except except developing your own style even further? <laughs> that's a, that's a seriously good question because uh, 
I quite often ask, ask that question also to other artists. Like, what <laughs> really? You, okay. Yeah, no, seriously. That I ask them, like, what will you be doing in 10 years? And they don't have a clue. Because, okay. because in, in my eyes, the, the whole industry that we're working in is still young. Uh, it's, it is. It's 15, it's okay. It's, it's older than 15 years, but it's been 15 years up a certain level. And it's evolving so fast and so hard. Um, that add another 15 years like like it's i don't i really don't have a clue where this is going uh the only <laughs> i love that i have no clue where this is going the, the, the only important thing that i have or the feeling that i have is like there's a certain wave like how everything's evolving and and like you need to try to be on top of the wave or just right in front of the curve you know like when something new happens, try it out, see if you like, see if you feel, but try to also stand out and not fall into the whole, in, into the wave, like in, in the yeah. whole. Um, but that's the thing that I think I'm, I'll be trying over the next 15 or 10 years. But seriously, like... Riding the wave. <laughs> trying to ride the wave. <laughs> no, riding the wave is not easy. Like, goddamn, oh. no easy. No, but like... If I wasn't, if I wasn't sculpting, I mean, if I wasn't digital scul uh, digitally sculpting, I would be generating other arts with other forms. You know, that's something that I'm sure of. Like, I would be wood carving, or I would be painting on oils on canvas, or something. <laughs> I would do, I would do something else creative because that's always been in my system. But you know, I'm pretty sure. One one thing I'm pretty sure of is that uh, if we're talking about ten years, we'll see more and more tools for digital art. Mm -hmm evolving and you know like uh last week we had uh we had a chat in this podcast about virtual reality yeah. and how quill is evolving and this is just one of the examples but there will be so many more tools and yeah. i can't even i can't i can't yet envision yeah, I that i completely agree and the thing the thing like okay let's talk about virtual reality like i've 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 lived i've had a little workshop into the virtual world uh, i mean i was at home and everything to play with and it's fun but uh i had like workshop doing digital sculpting in vr and the thing was like i was moving around and, and the things weren't working like zbrush and i was like and i, I was like <laughs> Shit, like I'm already turning into an old grumpy man. Like, I can't follow with the technology. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's that's the wave, and I'm like, yeah, like, <laughs> slipping down the wave. And, like, oh. <laughs> and goggles, you know. <laughs> well, maybe at some point we will. You won't need to start trying new tools. Maybe you're just like so brilliant at one, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. But the things like even even digital sculpting will evolve, and I see the benefit in, in sculpting in VR. And and I think if those tools get closer to the thing that we're working in right now, like the super high res stuff, and and being able to have a, a tactical feedback when you touch something, like that you're not like just pushing into space uh, um, a lot of people a lot more people will pick it up and will make even more beautiful work with it like the, Definitely. the people that are already leading in the vr sculpting like they're also very good sculptors to begin with like <laughs> they're they're good in vr no no they're like the best sculptors out there in the physical world practically well like thank you for saying that because actually this is an important understanding that it doesn't just come from the tool. No, 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 no. That's that's something that I also have to No, thank you for saying that. I really appreciate that. I think this yeah, is important. I also have to explain quite a lot. Like people think that you're like banging around on the computer and like filling in numbers and pushing sliders. And I'm like, especially when I do demos or something on trade shows mm -hmm. for uh, uh, certain companies. Uh, and, and you're able to talk to people and say like, oh, you think it's easy? Like... You don't say it like that, of course, because that's offending. <laughs> but it's like, here's a sphere, here's a pen, and you try to explain to, to people that are, let's say, 60, 70 years old that come to Oh, that. yeah. And they're like, they're drawing on the screen. They're like, the cool thing is, like, first they're like, mm. also the grumpy old man. <laughs> because the same grumpy old man yeah, seeing yourself. Rubbing the screen, and then they're like, within a few minutes, like, you see their mind, like, breaking up and, like, exploding. They're like, seeing all the possibilities and all the potential. 
especially when you do it with uh, artistic people. Like I've been on trade shows where uh, a lot of classical artists come that uh, do bronze works and plays and copper, all the, the classical statues. And then you show them the digital and, and also by giving them a chance to play around with that medium, they see, they see they, let's say the, the people are, that are still open for it, they see the potential into it because they also see like, oh, this is just a tool. Like it isn't all presets and it isn't all like, uh, like, like you can yeah. pull it up and you can kid bash it. Yeah, you can do it, but you also see it quite often that it's like pushed together. And if it's not, let's say, originally sculpted. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting perspective. Martin, look, we're actually just about to run out of time. So I'm going to switch to the traditional Q&A that I'll remind you is 10 questions. Okay. We've got one word up to one sentence to reply each one. And then I let you be. Um, so, um, <laughs> 100%. So, let me start with the first one. What's your favorite place in the world? Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, no? My office. Brilliant. While you're working, what are you listening to? Uh, <clears throat> Got both. it. <laughs> no, no, like I listen to a bunch of different types of music. I uh, go from classical to metal to to uh, to electro. So it's it's super diverse. All right, but we got the hint. <laughs> uh, what's your best way to gain inspiration? Uh, go outside, live, try to live. That's a good one. And what's your big life goal? uh try to get old <laughs> that's it <laughs> um what's what's your favorite drink Ooh. um dark belgian beers and coffee Lots and coffee, coffee. And okay 100 percent. yeah this is me um so lately on this podcast milkshakes have been a thing <laughs> including yeah. including James W. Kane. <laughs> Was it the pink milkshake? <laughs> I'll ask him next time. <laughs> you should, Just, you should. He'll, he'll be cracking up. <laughs> Just to make sure. <laughs> okay. Just I will make sure I'll ask him. <laughs> All right. What's the first thing that you do in the morning? Take a shower. Important. We've spoken about this one, but you can repeat it again. What's your backup career? Backup career. Well, uh, you just said that you would be a traditional artist or something else. Probably I'll be a traditional artist, but it's, that will be even harder to make a living from. <laughs> even harder than digital art. <laughs> Come on, you doesn't it doesn't make like digital art sound any lucrative. <laughs> no, I mean, it's lucrative, but uh, I like all the niche things, you know? Like like people people always think like, why are you interested in that? And I'm like, yeah, because it's like not a lot of people are interested in that thing. Okay. <laughs> that's what that's what yeah. So um do we leave traditional art there? Yeah, that's good. Good. Okay. Uh, what's your recent favorite uh, book? Let's say you said you like reading, so let's go for books. Um, I only like picture books. Okay. How about <laughs> movies? Uh, latest favorite movie. Uh, I I always go back to the classical things, and and uh, uh, I would say uh, all the classical things that are on, are on my wall, the Back to the Future and, and yes. all, the 80s, all the 80s stuff. That's that's all my favorite stuff. Uh, Great. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed the posters. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that probably would be the movie recommendation. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, yes. Nice. <laughs> Who are some of your legends, um, people that you follow and admire? Uh, 
the big the big guys are like let's say uh, like Rick Baker, uh, HR uh, HR Geiger, uh, um, Stan Winston, or what Stan Winston Studio artists did, like Steve Wang and all those guys, uh, and 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 Greg Nicotero. All the, actually, most of the guys are makeup guys, and and also let's say the classical artists like um, uh, Hopper and all those painters, you know. Okay, and the last one is. If you have a bucket list, do you have anything on it? Um, no, I don't really have a bucket list. The only bucket list that I made three years ago is bucket list of items that I need to have, and I'm collecting them from my office. And oh, it's, nice. It's super diverse. It's like the weirdest shit ever. Okay, give me a few items that you have on the items to collect list. Uh, skulls, things in jars, uh, statues. Um, Helmets, um, like, like do they have to be like three D printed or do they have mm -hmm. to like no like like replicas museum pieces like uh, uh, let's see what I have here uh, like fossils from certain things <laughs> oh like so like the actual inspirational stuff yeah like like but it's it's like really the weirdest stuff ever like like when i see something and i'm like oh i like that thing like i get a replica made of that thing in the movie or something um it's yeah it's weird but wow sounds like your office is an actual like museum type of thing yeah but that's also the reason why i like to stay in my office so for most of the time like, oh now it makes sense <laughs> it's my museum. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, it's super cluttered. Not, to, it's not junk, but it's like there's a ton of shit standing here. And if you go into the rest of our house, like it's super tight and super modern. And my stuff can't mix into the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> That's the dream that I have. So. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So this is a pretty cool, you know, note to finish the whole thing. Thank you so much again, Martin. This has been super interesting. Actually, I didn't expect to jump that uh, deep into 3D printing, but we did. And that was a pretty exciting dive. So thank you for that as well. Um, yeah. And uh, now finally go and enjoy the night. Okay. Well, it was super fun to talk to you. So. <laughs> All right. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a comment here below or better, go to Apple Podcasts and type in a review. We really, really appreciate when we're hearing from you and this keeps our whole team going. So see you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Art Heroes Podcast. Check out www.artheroes.co for show notes, more interviews, and free tools made for you by our team of mentors. Tune in next week for more inspiration. And keep up the great work, hero. Mm.